0: You're listening to the Quince podcast. Following a trial which lasted almost two years and became one of India's most high profile cases arising out of the Me Too movement. A Delhi trial court on 17 February acquitted journalist Priya Ramani in the criminal defamation case filed against her by former Union Minister M.J. Akbar. In the criminal defamation suit, Akbar had claimed that an article by Ramani written for Vogue in 2017 amid the Me Too movement and a subsequent tweet about him in 2018 when the movement was sweeping India caused damage to his stellar reputation. Ramani contested these claims pleading truth, good faith, public interest and public good as her defences in the defamation trial. And as the court pronounced its verdict on 17 February, it observed that these defences raised by her were justified in light of systemic abuse of women at the workplace. The acquittal order was scheduled to be pronounced by Additional Chief Metropolitan Magistrate Ravindra Kumar Pandey at 2 p.m. However, the parties were asked to reconvene in 30 minutes by the judge to make some minor corrections to the verdict. When the court reconvened, Judge Pandey noted the following in the order, and I quote, Right of reputation can't be protected at the cost of right to dignity. The judge also noted that a man of stellar reputation can also be a sexual harasser and that the Indian constitution allows a woman to put forward her grievances before any forum, at any time, even after decades. What does this victory mean? What's next for Mr. MJ Akbar? I'm joined by the Quinn's legal editor, Vakasha Sazdev, to answer some of these questions. You'll also hear from Priya Ramani herself, who spoke with the Quinn's legal consultant, Karan Tripathi, moments after the historic verdict. Get tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you. And I'm your host, Immat. The official Twitter handle of MeToo movement in India celebrated the verdict on 17 February and wrote in a tweet, We won this. In a subsequent tweet, it added, No words right now, just tears, goosebumps, solidarity to all. We owe a depth of gratitude to the courage of Priya Ramani. Their words are echoed in a lot of other tweets by celebrities, journalists and many others who joined in to celebrate the win. What was the mood at the court? Our legal consultant, Karan Tripathi, who was present for the verdict at the Rouse Avenue District Court complex in Delhi, talks about it. At 2
1: o'clock, when the judge Ravinder Kumar Pandey arrived in court number 203, he took a roll call of both the parties, to which Ramani answered emphatically, yes, I am here. At that moment, judge informed everyone in that packed courtroom that he'll take 30 more minutes to pronounce the verdict as there are some minor corrections that need to be made. He asked everyone present to respect the decorum of the court when they re- when they reassemble for the actual pronouncement. After 40 minutes when the court reassembled, the roll call happened and Ramani again replied with, yes, I'm here, while Akbar, who entered the courtroom afterwards, did not respond. The judge chose to read out both the operative part of the judgment as well as the contentions of both the parties and his reasons for reaching the decision of acquittal. Throughout the pronouncement of the verdict, there was a pin-drop silence with everyone respecting the decorum of the court. It was only after the judge finally said, Priya Ramani is hereby acquitted, that there was an elongated gasp in unison. A couple of people in the courtroom also ended up saying yes and thank you to the judge in excitement. However, the judge did not react and maintained a straight face. After coming out of the courtroom, there were laughs, applause and chants of yes, we won. Ramani, who appeared after a brief interval of signing her bail bond, was smiling from ear to ear. She embraced all her friends and answered all the questions posed to her by various journalists present.
0: Karan also spoke to Priya Ramani moments after the verdict. Here is a snippet of her interview.
1: (laughs) caught dates, coming from Bangalore to Delhi, staying with my girlfriends, losing my father-in-law. I wish he were here today to see this moment and uh, I'm so happy. I feel this case was not about me, it was about what women have what, what women experience at the workplace. My victory belongs to everyone who spoke up during the meeting movement.
0: To watch the rest of the interview, do check out the Quince YouTube page or the Quince website. Now, it all started in October 2017 in an article in Vogue about sexual predators at workplace written by Priya Ramani, where she described her own ordeal of being sexually harassed by a former boss in December of 1993. In her article titled, To the Harvey Weinsteins of the World, Priya Ramani described her former boss as one of my professional heroes. A year later in October 2018, when the Me Too movement finally caught up in India, Ramani alleged on Twitter that her former boss had in fact been Mr. M.J. Akbar, who at that time was a Minister of State in the Prime Minister Narendra Modi's government. Subsequent to the tweet, M.J. Akbar filed a defamation case and resigned from his post. The trial began in 2019. M.J. Akbar's defence primarily rested on the fact that his reputation was tarnished and harmed by Priya Ramani's allegations and has caused him his stellar reputation. Senior advocate Rebecca John, who represented Priya Ramani, argued that due to previous allegations against him, including those made in public before Ramani's tweet and, and the facts known about his extramarital affairs with junior colleagues long before that, he could not claim to have suffered damage to his reputation because of Ramani's statements. In its verdict on 17 February, the court held content of Ramani's article in Vogue as defamatory in nature. However, it noted that M.J. Akbar is not a man of stellar reputation and that women can't be punished for raising instances of sexual abuse by complaints claiming defamation. The court also took cognizance of the lack of Vishaka guidelines, which are the procedural guidelines for sexual harassment cases, at the time of the alleged harassment in December of 1993, and stated that women have the right to grievance even decades later. The court stated, and I quote, It cannot be ignored that most of the time the offence of sexual harassment and sexual abuse committed in the closed doors or privately and that sometimes the victim herself does not understand what is happening to them or what is happening to them is wrong. And the court also cited Ramayan and Ram to highlight the importance given to dignity of women in our culture and spoke the following about women participation in the workforce, stating that the right of reputation can't be protected at the cost of right to dignity. The court further said, and I quote, The glass ceiling will not prevent the Indian women from their advancement in society if equal opportunities are given to them. Now, in terms of what's next for the case, the court did state that an appeal can be filed by the parties in, in case of any grievance. Here is Vakasha Sazdev, legal editor for the Quint, on what can be the next steps for Akbar's legal team, if any.
2: So look, uh, I mean, there's always obviously a possibility for appeal in a case like this. Uh, you know, this is a trial court, there's the high court, you can even go all the way up to the Supreme Court, right, uh, to make an appeal uh, against a judgment like this. Now, in the meanwhile, of course, the question is, are there any real grounds for it? Now, Akbar may want to appeal it and say that, look, Romani should actually be convicted. She was wrongly acquitted in this case. Uh, Romani could potentially say that she wants to appeal certain findings, but that's unlikely to be here. The main possibility here is that Akbar decides to file an appeal. Now. Why would he do that? And does the judgment offer him any grounds to do so? That's the slightly tricky thing because while this judgment is, is going to be lauded by many because of its observations about sexual harassment, the reasoning could definitely have been better. And I say this because there are some slight problems with it. Now, the, the, the main problem is that the judge accepts M.J. Akbar's contention that the whole Vogue article written by uh, Priyadamani applies to him. And he says that he doesn't accept her defense that only the first four paragraphs of it do. Now, this is important because the first four paragraphs uh, in that Vogue article in 2017, Ramani is writing about her experience in that in the Oberoi Hotel when she went for her interview for the Asian Age with MJ Uppar. The others are sort of generalized, the other paragraphs have a more generalized reference to the kind of sexual harassment and abuse that uh, bosses at the workplace do. And she uses the term species of male bosses and uh, things. So even though she's using a U uh, in those paragraphs, it's clearly been, it's it's delineated at the at the fifth paragraph where she talks about the species of male bosses now that's what most people who uh, will appreciate english writing will accept that the judge hasn't hasn't done that here now that's a slightly tricky one because on the one hand um and you know it, it, it's clear that this wouldn't necessarily stand if it goes up on appeal to the high court uh, because the high court is likely to say yes you know there is a clear break at paragraph four but if that's not done um Then this actually gives a ground for MJ to potentially file an appeal because he says that, look, Priyadamani's defense of truth cannot apply to paragraphs 5 onwards. It can only apply at best to paragraphs 1 to 4. And if that's the case, then he does then potentially, uh, you know, he's able to say that that Priyadamani's defense of truth does not apply. Now, of course, for him to do that would require him to almost admit that paragraphs 1 to 4, however, at least are uh, true. Now, that's obviously where things don't work and this is where his legal strategy actually has been a problem in the case because they didn't really aggressively argue about the fact that what Rahmani uh, said about the, the, the incident which supposedly happened in 1993 at the Oberoi Hotel at her interview uh, with Akbar was false and the, the way that was sort of defended by Akbar and his lawyers was actually quite problematic throughout this case. They were so focused on the other aspects, they barely put in a strong defense to deny those allegations. And he initially said that he didn't remember what happened, later tried to make a bit of a denial. But that kind of has been a problem because that is the key ground on which the judge actually acquits Priya So when you go further down the judgment, there are two key observations. One is that he, he says that the defense of truth uh, can be accepted here. And two, he says that, uh, you know, uh, Akbar did not have the stellar reputation he claims to have had because of the testimony given by Priya Ramani, because of the testimony given by Ghazala Wahab. And that's that's very, very important because if that is the case, then, um, you know, y- y- you are losing the ability uh, of Akbar to argue that he did not have a reputation for, you know, in terms of his, his relationships with women and particularly younger subordinates at the workplace. Now, the thing is, that's the key grounds on which this acquittal has come, and those are unlikely to necessarily change even on appeal to the High Court, because the defense of truth and this issue of reputation were very, very strongly argued. Now, ideally, we could have seen some more reasoning by the court on this within its uh, within its judgment, um, but that's something which you know uh, is still likely to to stand uh, scrutiny going forward. The problem, as we said, is that initial observation about the whole article applying. Uh, but again, the, I mean that's not necessarily going to help Akbar because even if that gives him a ground to appeal, uh, we're on appeal. The High Court is likely to not accept this argument from him, so that doesn't really work. So what we're probably looking at is is, is a case which is not going to see any changes if appealed. So I mean that's obviously a factor for Akbar to consider: does he really want to now drag this on and even further? Because at this stage, already this case has now done more damage to his reputation because it's got everything out there in public, and there's now a finding by a court saying that he didn't have the stellar reputation which he claimed to have.
0: But there is more to this case than Ramani's victory. In her interview with the Quint after her hearing, Ramani stated that she's optimistic that her victory will encourage more women to speak up and I quote, discourage powerful men to take victims of sexual harassment to court with fake cases of defamation. It feels amazing
1: to have my truth validated in a court of law. I feel vindicated on behalf of all the women who spoke up before and after I hope this encourages more women to speak up and discourages powerful men to take victims of sexual harassment to court in fake cases of defamation, for example. Don't forget, I was the accused
0: in this case. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Jio and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com
1: Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts.